John chapter 15. And we began this review in the simplicity of the cross. And as I shared last week, Jesus after His resurrection spent 40 days with His disciples being seen of them and ministering to them. And going back over, I believe, in a crash course review of everything. And then on the 40th day, He's taken up into heaven. He tells Him to go tarry in Jerusalem. And so they tarry for another 10 days. And so then when the day of Pentecost is fully come in the book of Acts, they're in the upper room waiting. And it always amazes me. And, and, and if I can just give you this as a point of reference. How many, how many know that Jesus fed literally multitudes? How many know that when He went, multitudes followed Him. Thousands of people thronged Him. And, uh, but after His resurrection, does anybody remember how many people were in the upper room? 120. Not 12,050. 120. Amen? And uh, so following. So crowds aren't always a sign of commitment. It's a sign of a gathering. Amen? And many times the crowd is there as long as you will feed them. As long as there's free lunch. Crowds are kind of like teenagers. If you feed them, they will come. Sean's learned that at the school, so he takes pizzas and, and, and it works good. But then they hear the Gospel. But there's something changes. And so Jesus spent time with His disciples after His resurrection and informing them again about everything that He had said, reminding them. And then He said, go tarry in Jerusalem till you are endued with power. And then you will launch out into your ministry of being a witness for Me. And that's really our goal. What is, why would we have a Lewis Palau Festival? Why would we partner with this? And uh, because, and I said this during our encounter weekend, and, it, and more and more the Lord's kind of impressing it upon me, is that it's wonderful to talk about the glory of the cross. But for everybody who doesn't come to the cross, the Bible tells us there's a day coming when there will be a day of judgment for all humanity. Every person who's ever lived. Revelation chapter 20 said the sea and the grave give up their dead. And everybody stands before God. And if your name is not written in a book, and it says that the devil and his angels are judged before that, and after Satan and the angel and, and, and the false prophet and the Antichrist, after they're all judged for the last time and thrown into the eternal lake of fire after the thousand years in the great white throne of judgment, and then anybody whose name is not found in that book, is cast into the same place of judgment as they are. That place is called hell. And Jesus came so nobody would have to go there. How many know that Peter wrote that God's not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance? And so the purpose of a festival, the purpose of you sharing your faith with somebody, witnessing to your co-workers, your neighbors, your friends, your family, is that we don't want anybody to perish. And I kind of shared... Uh, during the encounter, as we began to talk about the cross and coming to the cross, is that when, when you really come face to face with the consequences of sin in your life, it does cause you to mourn and to have grief. And what we're given here is the opportunity to deal with that. And I shared to be judged before judgment. And the way we're judged before judgment is that Christ bore our judgment for our sin. He took your judgment, my judgment upon Him. And I think about this a lot. 
from this standpoint, because many times we read the Bible and we see it in past tense, but the reality is if you had lived there, you may have been one in the crowd crying, crucify Him. Because you either accepted Him or you were against Him. Are you with me? And so we would think, oh, I would have never denied the Lord. All of His disciples fled. So we kind of have that Peter complex. Not me, Lord. I will never forsake you. But that we have that propensity in us of that possibility that we also could have failed Him. Are you with me? But I'm, it, Jesus was so wanting to get this in and, and the mission was so clear is that we take the Gospel to the world. That everybody needs to hear. Everybody needs the opportunity to come to Christ. Amen? God doesn't want anybody to perish. And I think sometimes we forget about the perish. How many know that judgment is just, isn't unple- it just is unpleasant? You know, on, and, and let me just bring this into perspective. This year on our ballot, we'll be voting whether or not we're going to keep the death penalty in California. Whether we'll do away with the death penalty. And so kind of what we're saying is, and, and, and there's kind of two sides to this. I'm a firm believer in the death penalty. I believe if more criminals died for what they did, less criminals would want to die. If We really had a death penalty. And so what we've done, and I believe the Bible is pretty clear, we have some standards that are going by, and it's proven and, uh, in some of these areas. Um, but the other side is, so what we're moving to is that the goal is instead of condemning people to death, is we're going to condemn them to imprisonment without the possibility of parole. You're going to be judged, and you will never be able to get out. Okay? Now what? So man in his justice for crimes committed feels that that's good. That we could judge somebody for their crimes, for their transgression, for their sins against humanity and God. That they would be deserving, that it would be just and deserving to commit them to imprisonment forever, the rest of their life, without the possibility of parole. So if somebody goes into prison for the crime, let's say they're a mass murderer, they're the Bungie guy, they're Dave Bundy or whatever his name was, but uh, the serial killer, they're a serial rapist, they're, they're, they're a predator on humanity. And so they're tried, they're judged according to the law. So we have laws that, that judge and make that statement and do that. But then that we would deem that instead of putting them to death, that we would put them there. So, and people would think, well, that's justice. I mean, anybody agree? I know people going, I raised my hand on nothing this morning, I'll tell you right now. <laughs> <laughs> now, 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 wait a minute. How many know that if you're on a jury, how many know if you're on a jury and you're having to make a decision to incarcerate somebody for life, to sentence somebody to judgment of a life sentence without the possibility of escape, but yet you weigh all the facts and it just comes down, even though it is uncomfortable. It is just to do rather than to release them back out into society. Amen. Because they've already proven they're repeat offenders. They're, you know, are, are you with me? And so, so it would be uncomfortable and, and you wouldn't like it, but it would be necessary or justice if you would. And a lot of people are different. Well, we, you know, we, we could rehabilitate them. Well, possibly. Um, but something, some things deserve judgment. Are you with me? Some things deserve judgment. 
I mean, for me, and, 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 and I'm just saying this as a type, I have no problem when, when we find, and, and, and it seems like almost on a regular basis now, and I don't think we have more crime, we just have more people. We now have over 350 million people in the United States. And so crime, as people, as volume goes up, crime goes up. It's not that we have more specific, we just have more people for the opportunity of crime to take place. Are you with me? So that's why it seems like it's more crime is increasing because our population is increasing. And with that. But in that area of, 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 of the crimes and the punishment, for you and I, we, it seems like we hear all the time about some little girl, a six-year-old girl is missing, this little girl is missing, this person is missing, that person, this college student, this army girl is missing. People are missing. And then we find out that somebody actually took them and violated their life and then left them for dead. I'm sorry, uh, you made a choice that really brought about consequences that should be justice in my book. You can go any direction you want. I, I'm talking, so I get to have my opinion. So on that, well, you can debate it later with your friends and things. But in this, I, I believe there are things that are, that, that are worthy of that, that. That you gave up your... By taking a life, you give up your right to live. And so... Because beside that, I, I'm, I'm kind of firmly against having to spend sixty to eighty thousand dollars a year for you to suck air after you took that opportunity away from somebody else. That's a thousands and thousands to keep you alive for the rest of your life because we don't want to humanely, you know, give. Oh, I felt the needle as it went in. Well, I think they felt the axe as you cut their head off. But anyway, you find people. Are we doing all right this morning? So I'm just saying, in, you say, Pastor, I thought we were going to preach. I'm preaching really well right now. But, but only in this thing, see, but what I'm saying is that as a society, we could look at that. Stay with me. I haven't left hell yet. Because as a society, we can judge things and we can say, and as human beings, we could look at transgression and say that is worthy of either death or that is worthy of imprisonment without the opportunity to come out. So the God, the creator of the universe who created society and who has set His law over society and has ordained how man should live and man violates that and transgresses that and God has given man fair warning if you do this, you shall die and the consequence is to be cast into a place where there will be no possibility of parole. So on a humane side, we could do that. For humanity. But when we come to thinking about God judging people for their sins and their transgression and an eternal hell and a place of judgment without an escape, without a way out, we go, oh, God would never be that mean. But we will turn right around and say, that person deserves to die. That person to be incarcerated for life. That's just. That's fair. But my Bible says that everything God does is righteous and just. Are you with me? Because He made a way that if we would just repent and turn away from our sin, which is why there are people who can be condemned to death by man's law, people who can be imprisoned for life without parole, but they can inherit eternal life. Because they can ask for forgiveness. Now, they have to reap what they sowed. God's not mocked. We reap what we sow. But God will forgive them and God will restore them and God will welcome them into His everlasting habitation. Are you with me? 
And so God is righteous and just in His dealing, but if, people, if a man hates humanity and then stays and remains a God-hater his whole life, when he stands before God, he'll be judged again. And so we have the opportunity to be judged before judgment. That God, in Christ, judged us of our sin. We were guilty and worthy of being sentenced to life without parole. And yet Jesus bore that judgment for us. And so when we receive Christ, we actually step into His judgment on our behalf. So we are now judged in Him. And by being in Him, our sins are forgiven. Are you with me? And so we have the opportunity to be judged before the judgment. I don't know about you, that's good news to me. Praise the Lord. And so for you and I, then we learn, okay, how do I live in that? How do I abide in that? And so why do we share the gospel? Why do we share our faith? Why do we partner with a a festival? Why do we want to tell everybody we can about the saving grace of the Lord Jesus Christ? Because if we ever forget that there is coming a day, and some people say, well, and and, and a lot of us come out these days, uh, and I shared, I think, on Tuesday night as we went down last week and saw uh, Francis Chan last Thursday night, and I think, or last Sunday, and talked about it. But... uh, the guy Rob Bell wrote the book about love wins and talking, you know, that a loving God would not send, you know, his creation to hell and doing all that stuff. Yet we as loving people would condemn transgressors to it. But I mean, some of the stuff we just don't bear out. Amen? And so with that and all the different things, people say, how could a loving God do that? A God of love would not do that. And, and how do we deal with that? Well, we don't see everything as he sees things. Isaiah 55, God says, my thoughts are not your thoughts. And my ways are higher than your ways. And how how many of you would have come up with the cross for your son on how to redeem humanity? Well, I know how I'll do this. I'll come up with the cross. So the things of God are a little bit higher than our thoughts. Are you with me? Praise the Lord. So I'm kind of going back through this so we understand the cross and what it means and why would Jesus come and spend this time and then after the resurrection, pass this on and then He tells His disciples, after you receive the Holy Ghost, you're going to receive power to go out and to be My witness, to tell others if we ever forget the reality of hell and judgment, then we lose the, lose the passion. But if we ever see, hey, if that person doesn't come to Christ, there is coming a day when they could be sentenced to Life in death without the possibility of parole. No escape, no way out. Amen? And uh, so I'm not trying to preach a downer this morning. I'm trying to bring hope. Hallelujah. John chapter 15, verse 1. I'm the vine, and my Father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, He takes away. And every branch that bears fruit, He prunes that it may what? Bear more fruit. You are already clean because of the word which I have spoken to you. Abide in me and I in you as the branch cannot bear fruit of itself unless it abides in the vine. Neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine and you are the branches. He who abides in me and I in him bears what? Much fruit. Now look at this. For without me you can do Nothing. Amen? If anyone does not abide in me, he is cast out as a branch and is withered, and they gather them and throw them into what? Okay, and they are burned. And if you abide in me, my words abide in you, you will ask what you desire, and it shall be done for you. How many know that's a good promise right there? 
Amen. But it's connected to uh, a, a principle on our behalf, something that we have to do. Verse 8, by this is my Father glorified that you what? Bear much fruit, so you will be my disciples. As the Father loved me, I has also loved you. Abide in me. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments, and abide in His love. These things I have spoken to you, that my joy may remain in you, and that your joy may be full. Uh, how many would say that the fruit that he's talking about is probably not persimmons, apples, pomegranates, oranges, grapes? Amen? How many know he's probably not talking about natural fruit? What do you think the kingdom fruit is? Souls. So the only thing that God calls fruit in His kingdom, and the only thing He's looking for coming out of our life would be souls. So if I'm going to bear much fruit, then there must be a connection of people coming to Christ through my life. Somehow my life has to be connected to people that I'm bearing a harvest of people coming into the kingdom. Increases coming to the kingdom through my life. Would you agree? Now just as a point of illustration today, how many have ever met somebody that you probably know isn't really living for the Lord, but they say they're a believer? I mean, there's, there's a difference between, okay, seeing somebody, okay, I know that person believes in God, I know that person is doing their best to live for the Lord and honor God with their life. How many know that person? Okay. How many know the other person says, yeah, I believe in God? Okay. You don't have to raise your hand on everything. But it's kind of like this. Jesus says, I'm the vine and you're the branches, okay? Every branch in me that bears fruit, does, that abides in me does what? Bears fruit. So it's kind of like this. Are you a Christian? Yes. I'm a believer. I believe in God. I'm a believer. I read my Bible. I, 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 I. Alan, Alan. <laughs> Amen. That's really old. You have to see the video. Amen. Anyway, but, but, but in this, so look it. I'm out here. I'm a believer. Glory to God. Where are you planted? Anywhere the wind blows. I, 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 I plant over here for a while. 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 Over here by Dwayne because he makes good pork. Over here by her. No, Jesus said you have to what? Abide where? In him. So I have to remain, I have to remain in him. I mean, no, Jesus didn't come to make you a branch, he came to connect you to the vine. Everything in him is connection. We just read what Jesus says if you stay connected to me, I can't just say, Oh, thank you, Lord, I'm saved. I can't just go like this. I believe in Jesus. Walk into the new life. Come in. Thank you, Lord. I partake of the tree of life. And then just go on about my life and carry my little life with me. This is American Christianity right here. 
American Christianity says, I just come and I meet the Lord, and then I can go on about my life. I can do whatever I want. I can go wherever I want. I can do whatever I want. I can direct my life any way I want because I have Jesus in my heart. And in America, our heart is just a little misplaced. Amen? Apart from me, you can do nothing. I mean, no, Christianity is more than just a feeling. Christianity is a knowing. Knowing. And I can't know Him apart from me. I can only know Him by being joined to Him and allowing His life to flow through me. Jesus said, if we are in Him, then out of His innermost being, that, that you and I, that there's a life that flows out of us. Amen? And speaking of the Holy Spirit that is there. Now I'm going to read this to you. I've, going back to my notes, I found this again, and it's so important and, and to hear this. And uh, I haven't even got to our outline yet, but stay with me. We're called, and, and I, I can't remember if I shared this when I shared it, but you're called to live backwards in a forward world. I made this statement a while ago, but sometimes I say things, and we hear things one time, and it doesn't get us. Everything about our world is moving forward, is advancing. But there are some things we are never supposed to let go of. There are some things that are so foundational and so true that and, and something if you watch our nation, our nation is on the verge of dying because we're moving away from the principles of our founding fathers. And the church is on the verge of dying because we're moving away from the principles of our founding Savior and living by the truth of His Word. And so we are called to live backwards in a forward world. And everything that is new faith, new look at. You need a God who is still bigger than just words. A few years ago, I preached that message on a God who is bigger than words. Your words cannot describe God. God cannot be contained in words. God is bigger. So anything, that's why he says, I'm able to do exceedingly and abundantly above all that you can even ask or think. So when I think about God, when I'm speaking the word, when I'm living by faith, God does everything bigger than what you expect Him to do. Because God can't be contained by you. You can't express God. That's why I love the Holy Ghost. People say, well, I don't understand the Holy Spirit. I don't understand praying in other tongues. Because my mind and my natural understanding can't... Uh, God can, can give me a part of who He is, but I can't fully understand Him. But the Spirit knows everything about Him. So when it comes to praising God and giving Him glory that is worthy of His name, He gives me the ability and an expression by the Holy Spirit Spirit, allowing His Spirit to be in me and now express my praise to Him in something that is beyond my own ability. Amen? By the power of the Spirit, by praying in other tongues and singing in the Spirit. Thank God for that. Amen? So we need that God who is bigger than words. A God who can still save, heal, deliver, protect, provide and fulfill all of His promises to His people. The God who is bigger than any sickness or disease, any test or any trial, any storm or any recession, any problem or any person that you may ever face in life. But the only way to find that God is by going backwards. We live in a world today that says God doesn't do this, God doesn't do that, God doesn't do this, God doesn't do that. God still does everything if you go back and find Him. Amen. 
So that's why we've come back to the cross. Paul wrote, and I read it to you last week, Paul wrote in 1 Corinthians, or 2 Corinthians chapter 11 and wrote to the, the church there. He says, I, I'm jealous for you. Let somehow people have come in and caused you to move away from the simplicity that is in Christ. And I pray something so simple as just pulling a little branch out of a tree and walking around. Hopefully you see the simplicity of what it means. When I come to Christ, I don't just come to Christ and get some and then go about my business. I come to Christ to give my life to Christ. And that's why I said we can pray the sinner's prayer and we do that. I pray with you. We still ask people to, to, to bow their heads, raise their hand, and we pray a prayer with you. But that's only making connection. Now you have to learn how to abide in Him. You have to learn to live by Him. You, you have to learn how to enter into life with Him. Because if all I do is I pray the sinner's prayer and somebody tells me, okay, you're saved, then I just stick God in my back pocket and I go about my business and I still live like hell on wheels. I'm still doing everything else the same, but now the only difference is, is I know God. But, but over here, I can, listen, apart, apart from me, you can do nothing. So I cannot produce any of the fruit of the Spirit or the life of God in and of my own self. So just professing Christ and praying that I believe in the Lord Jesus Christ does not save me. I am saved when my life is now in Him. He is my salvation. He is my life. So I have to live in Him, and I have to abide in Him. Are you with me? Okay, stay with me as we walk through this real quick this morning. The cross is the one act by the one man who was worth all men that changed mankind's ability to be accepted completely by God. Satan feared it. Man could not and does not comprehend it. And hell could not stop it. Is there any wonder that Satan said, if I can get that man, speaking of Christ, out of God's will, if we can push him off track, we can hold the world captive for untold millions of millennium. When the devil, on Tuesday nights, we're going through the Gospels, we're on the temptation of Christ in the wilderness, and the devil came, if he could have tempted Christ, he could have held humanity in captivity for untold millenniums, and remain the God of this world and destroying humanity the way He is today. Think about it. Man cannot comprehend the simplicity of one lamb slain for all. But to every heart that will receive Him, He comes to cleanse and transform that life with the precious blood that He shed. He will receive them into Himself. He will in no wise cast them out. It was for them that He died. He truly bore our sorrows and carried our grief. He was bruised for our iniquity and chastised by, for our peace. And by His stripes that He bore, we are healed. Amen? The Word of the Lord said this morning, come on, by faith. I've already done it for you. Step into it by faith. It belongs to you. The invitation was get out of the boat, walk to where he is, and receive what he's done for you. Amen? He did that for you. But let me just say this. People have said all the time, oh, he will in no wise cast me out. No, he will not. Once you abide in him, Jesus will not kick you out. And he says, no man can take you out of my hands. That is true. But the stupid branch can pull itself out and go run around and unconnect itself. And if you disconnect yourself and don't abide in Him, you can't go, well, once saved, always saved. Don't shout me down when I'm preaching real good. I used to be in the tree, therefore I are tree. Turn the inside of your outline. Are you doing alright this morning? 
who it is finished. We have an invitation to find ourselves in Him. Go with me to Ephesians chapter 1. I believe this. I believe you could come to church and your brain should hurt. I believe you should come to church and you should be uncomfortable. Let me put you like this. Let me put you like this. Um, people don't understand. God is holy. God's holy. This is what we don't understand about God. This is what we don't understand about hell. God is holy. God is completely pure. You know, we see things go 99.99% pure. Very few things in life are 100% pure. But God is pure holiness. And God, by the nature of who He is, when the Bible says God is a consuming fire, and Moses said, God, I want to see you. God says, Moses, I appreciate your heart, bro. But if I go, you die. If I just open up, ta-da. If I pull back the veil, you die. The Old Testament said the priest couldn't go into where just a little bit of the, where just the Shekinah glory was in the temple, behind the veil, where the ark was. The priest couldn't go in there without a covering. And if he went in there underwear, the holiness of that presence consumed him. And he died. And so God being holy, he says, I have to do something for you. So that when you come into my presence, who I am just by my nature, not by judgment, not by, just by who I am. Anybody have a fireplace at home? Okay, just by nature of fire, if you stick your hand in there, what happens? Bad fire. There's no love in that fire. I can't believe a fire that loves would burn me like that. I will not believe in a fire that would judge me like that, that would condemn me to being burned. Dude, it's fire. It's what it does. Are you with me? But God said, I am, this is, I am pure. And so the only way for you to come into my presence is for me to find a way to cleanse you and cause you to be pure as well. And the only thing that will do that is the blood of my son. Are you with me? And so when I come to Christ, when you and I come to Christ, he washed and we're cleansed with blood. And that's why Hebrews 10 says, now by virtue of the blood, we can literally come into his presence. What, what I'm trying to help you see and what the invitation was this morning, come on. You have an invitation of God, a standing, open door invitation. When you confess and believe on the Lord Jesus Christ as your Savior, you are cleansed by the blood. You believe in the blood that he said. You enter into judgment before judgment. That blood covers you. Your sins are forgiven. Your past is removed and you are now righteous in Christ and you can boldly come into his presence and that's what grace is that's what we're illustrating the invitation is come into his presence and be seated with him in the heavenly places amen and so now I come in no wait all of my past is behind me I'm separated as far as the east is the west from my past all of my failures all of my hurts all of my grief all of my guilt is behind a closed door it has no access into God's presence. It's not permitted in here. And I sit here completely liberated in the victory of the cross of Jesus Christ. Somebody ought to say amen. 
that's where we live. That's our invitation from God. So it's finished. Now let me say this to you. This is more than just debt reconstruction. Amen. It's not just, see today we have debt we can reconstruct and we can lump it all in and pay it off slowly. No, we paid it all off at once. This is sin cancellation. Paid in full. All that is left for you is a rest to be entered into. His completed works have put an end to the works of man before God. All we are left with is rest. All you're left with. So now that that's there, keep your finger there in Ephesians. Turn over to Hebrews 4. Are you doing all right? I'm going to tell you this. Every person on the face of this earth has a sworn enemy. And you need more than a Sunday morning sermonette to defeat the enemy. You need something that gives you truth, that tells you who you are, and enables you to stand in the authority that Jesus Christ died for you to have. Are you with me? Hebrews chapter 4 and verse 1. Therefore, since a promise remains of what? Since a promise remains of what? No, of entering His rest. Of entering whose rest? His rest. Jesus completed all of His works, and then He sat down at the right hand of the Father. He's resting. He's not working. He's resting. The only work He's doing is interceding on your behalf. He's your high priest, and He's interceding for you. He's praying and interceding for you. Amen? Think about this. Go on. The next phrase says, let us fear, lest any of you seem to have what? Okay. Here's Roaming Ralph. Okay. Now this guy, I guarantee you, this guy is coming short of entering into rest. I'm in rest. No, you're not. Yes, I am. No, you're not. Yes, I am. No, yes, I am. How many know if somebody told you, I'm in a tree, and you go, no, you're not. Yes, I am. No, you're not. Yes, I am. This branch was talking to you and telling you, I'm in the tree. I'm in the tree. No, you're not. Yes, I am. No, you're not. How many know you would think that's crazy? So for us to have a theology that says the same thing, how come we're not crazy? We go, oh, that's so cool. Amen? All right, stay with me. Verse 2. For indeed, the gospel was preached to us as well as to them. Go back to Hebrews chapter 3. You find out that he's talking about the nation of Israel. That the gospel was preached to them. But they stiffened and hardened their hearts. I mean, nobody today has hard hearts towards God. We're all very soft and pliable. For indeed the gospel, watch this, watch. the gospel was preached to us as well as to who? Speaking of Israel, but watch this. But the word which they heard did not what? Profit them, why? Not being mixed with faith in those who heard it. What was the word of the Lord this morning? Faith. Now faith is. So it's not enough just to hear. I have to mix what I hear 
by faith. Now let me just pause here right for a moment. God brought the nation of Israel out of bondage in Egypt. Which is a type of you and I being brought out of the bondage and the slavery to sin. Romans 8 tells that we're, we're in this yoke, Romans 6 through 8, tells about the yoke of slavery and the bondage of sin. So we're brought out and we're given, brought into a promised land in Him. But when God said, okay, now go look at it. Go spy it out and go see it. And then the spies go out and they come back and ten of them go, we can't have it. This is going to be here. This is going to be here. God brought us out. Our carcasses are going to die in the wilderness. This is what's going to happen. That's going to happen. Blah, 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 blah. God said, okay, cool then that's exactly what's going to happen. I will judge you by the very words that you said instead of agreeing with me. You chose, God doesn't do this. I don't understand why God isn't doing this. I don't understand why my prayers aren't answered. I don't know why I'm just living in this. I don't know why this is happening in my life. God brought me out. I thought He loved me. I thought He saved me. I'm not getting anything. My prayers aren't getting answered. This isn't getting happen. We would never talk like the ten spies today, would we? And then we wonder why there's no harvest coming to pass in our life. And then Joshua and Caleb said, hey, shut up. Do not talk. We are well able. Let's get up. Let God said it. We've seen it. We can have it. Let's rise up. Let's walk in. Let's possess it. Oh, you want them faith guys, aren't you? Yes, and it's a lot better than what's going to happen to you. Are you with me? By, by nothing else, by nothing else, God said, your judgment is this. Your judgment will be by the words of your own mouth. He said, you have an invitation to abide in Him and to live by Him. To live by every word that He speaks. To speak the Word of God. To declare the Word of God. To stand on the Word of God. Are you with me? And then let that be what comes out of it. Agree with God, not with your circumstance. How many know God knew giants were in the land? How many know God knew the cities were walled? How many knew God knew the opposition that was there? How many knew they, that God knew they had greater army? They had bigger toy. They had all the stuff, whatever. God knew the opposition that He was sending His people in. But how many know God was not moved by any of that? And He said it's already here. And all they had to do was agree. So what? They didn't mix that with faith, and so the consequences were that they did not enter in. Not being mixed with faith. For he who should have, for we who have believed do enter that rest, as he also said, I swore in my wrath, they will not enter into my rest. Although the works, watch this, although the works were finished from where? The foundation of the world. I want you to hear this this morning about how to enter into the finished work of the Lord. Just these next few moments. Are you still with me? Verse 4, for he has taken a certain place and the seventh day in this way, and God rested on the seventh day from all of his work. And again in this place, they shall not enter my rest. Since therefore, listen to verse 6, it remains that some must enter it, and those to whom it was first preached did not enter because of what? Disobedience. Disobedience, Disobedience with God is going about life your own way. Not His way. Amen. 
Verse 7. And again, the designates a certain, again, he designates a certain day, saying to David, Today, after such a long time as it had been said, Today, if you will hear his voice, do not harden your heart. For if Joshua had given them rest, then he would not have afterwards spoken of another day. Verse 9. There remains, therefore, a rest for the people of God. For he who has entered into his rest has himself also ceased from his works as God did from his. Verse 11. Let us, therefore, be diligent to enter that rest, lest anyone fall after the same example of disobedience. Now, Pastor, what are you trying to say? First and foremost, when you come to Christ, there is nothing you can add to that. Go back with me to Ephesians chapter 1. You and I are saved by grace through faith. Would you agree? Ephesians 2. We are saved by grace through faith, not of works, lest anyone should boast. Nobody is more saved than anybody else. I joke about it all the time because I still have attitudes and deal with things and I make the stupid statement that some of you use for license to be stupid when I say I'm not that saved. Never use an illustration as a license. Amen? I understand there are things in me that I am being transformed. I am being renewed. I still get angry. And there are certain things that I might have an old man reflex. Because I'm not completely saved. And so if you hit me at the wrong time, I, I might not turn the other cheek. How many know what I'm saying? And, and that's all I'm illustrating is that in that area. But nobody is more saved than anybody else. We all get all of Christ. We're all in Him. We're, we're in His fullness. You don't get a partial Jesus and then a little bit more Jesus. There's nothing you add to it. When you come to Him, you cannot add anything. And I'm kind of ahead of myself, but I, I want you to stay with me here. In Paul's discourse to the Ephesians, we find ourselves in the application of our lives of it is finished. How to sit down in and walk in and stand in it. In Ephesians 1 verses 1 through 3, watch this. Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ by the will of God to the saints who are at Ephesus and faithful in Christ Jesus. See, there are some churches and denominations that tell you the only way you become a saint is by providing three miracles. Okay. Maybe you wear a little St. Christopher medal, you do other things like that. But saying, every believer is a saint. Okay. To the saints in Ephesus, to the believers. Grace to you and peace from our Lord Jesus. Grace to you and what? Peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Look at verse 3. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ who has what? Done what? Look at somebody and tell them you're blessed. Now look at somebody else and tell them you're blessed. Because nobody likes to listen to people brag. Amen. Now watch this, watch this. Who has blessed us with what? Every spiritual blessing where? In the heavenly places, how? In Christ. So you are blessed with every spiritual blessing that's in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. So now what did you have to do to get that? What do you have to do to receive that? 
Do you have to pray a certain way? Do you have to stand a certain way? Do you have to kneel? Do you have to, is there any work connected to being blessed? Stay with me. Look at verse 21. Chapter 1, verse 21. We're with Christ, but He is now seated. Look at back at verse 20. Which He worked in Christ when He raised Him from the dead and seated Him where? At the right hand in the heavenly places, far above what? All principality and power and might and dominion in every name that is named, not only in this age, but also in that which is to come. So you are seated with Christ in Him in heavenly places. Amen? Look down at chapter 2 and verse 6. Verse 4, but God who is rich in mercy because of his great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in trespasses and sin, made us alive together, how? With Christ, by grace you have been saved, raised us up together, and made us what? Sit together in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. So you and I, when the person, when we ask you, if you're here today and you don't know the Lord, would you like to receive the Lord? The moment you say yes, and you pray, and you receive Christ, you are immediately seated with Him in all of His victory, and everything that is completed, you are seated with Him in the heavenly places. And now it is so important that I learn how to abide there, and learn how to live there, and make that my dwelling. Because the temptation is, is just to go and have a seat for a moment and then come back and go back to life the old way. The enemy is always pulling you back to your old life to remind you. I got freaked out yesterday. I lived in Corte Madera, California from 1964 to 1969. And the guy that was a contractor there and did some painting and stuff. And when I was in high school, I did some work for him and did some things. That took me fishing a couple of times. And this guy somehow decided to remember who I was and look me up. And he had a teenage son about my age and stuff. And he was divorced. And his son would come. We'd hang out together and stuff. And, uh, and Sue comes in yesterday afternoon. And goes, Do you remember this guy from Corte Madera? I said, wait a minute. I left there in 1969. Been gone a couple days. <laughs> Haven't really dwelt on that for a long time. And those weren't the best years of my life. That's why I first started smoking dope. That's why I first did everything else. That was 64 to 69, man, that was that was crazy days. That was that was the height of Haight Ashbury and the hippie movement and stuff. And uh, it was I mean, it was crazy time. So, so I'm, I'm laying on my couch, minding my own business yesterday, taking a nap after being up here, and then before I go down and see Pastor Dan last night and stuff. And, and, and uh, this guy called up, hey, do you remember me? No, dude, I haven't thought about you in like 40-some years. 45, I was like 13, 45 years ago. And so, and so now that voice comes out of your past, and you start thinking back, man, I was really stupid back then. Amen. Are you with me? And so the devil has a great way of reminding you. And so it's so important that you and I learn. When those memories come, say, wait a minute. I'm not, I'm not. It's, it's like this void. We cross over. We're living in Christ. And now I've been saved since 1978. 34 years this December. I've been living in Christ. And all of a sudden the voice from 45 years ago comes up. 
and wants to remind me of stuff. So you need to learn how to just say, uh, nobody home. He don't live here anymore. Dead, dead. Amen? Sorry, Charlie, not here. Amen. Watch. When we learn, Ephesians 1 tells us about our life in Christ. Ephesians 4 says, walk worthy of your calling. Walk worthy of your calling. Ephesians 6 says that we are now able to stand against all the wiles of the devil. And this principle of sitting and abiding and being able to receive. Keep your finger there on the inside, but, but turn over to the next page of your outline. I want you to see this. At the bottom of page two on the inside of your outline, it says there's no limit to the grace which God is willing to bestow upon us. He will give us everything, but we can receive none of it until we find ourselves at rest in him. Listen to me. I've been pastoring since 19... 19- 81. Sue and I went full-time ministry in 1981. And we've watched people just wrestle with receiving from God. Christianity has this huge struggle with receiving from God. Do you know how many books are written on how to receive? Compared to how many books are written on how to rest? I don't know if I have one book in my library except by the one that was the inspiration. I have one book in my library that I know uh, I, I have a lot of books that have been given to me and handed down, but I haven't read them all yet. But there's one book that this principle comes from. Watchman Nee wrote this book called Sit, Walk, Stand. Principle. I have one book. That teaches you how to rest in him. I have a bunch of books that teach you. Do this, do that, do this, do that. Seven keys of this, seven steps of that. Seven, and, 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 and one that says, sit down, shut up. Receive. Then get up and walk. Then you're able to stand. Are you with me? Here's what we do. Before we come to Christ. Before we come to Christ. We've had to handle everything ourselves. That's why we worry. That's why we have anxiety. Oh my God, what am I going to do? How am I going to do this? Well, first of all, when you come to Christ, all that's taken care of. He's the answer for every circumstance of your life. Jesus, Matthew 6, Jesus says, don't worry about it. Don't worry about where you're going to live, what you're going to wear, what you're going to eat. Take no thought for your natural life. Trust God, seek God, all these things will be added unto you. And instead of being a Joshua and Caleb spirit and saying, okay, yes, amen, I will go in and possess that. We say things like, yeah, but you know, reality says, you know, you have to be responsible. You have to, yes, you do. But if it is not a responsibility that is coming out of rest of being seated in him, 
You're living the same way you used to live before you came to Christ. So you have the same anxiety, you have the same ulcers, you have the same frustration, you have the same sleepless night. The church is on just as many sleeping pills as the world is. The church has just as many psychological counselors as the world has. Psychological counseling does not help you because your brain is screwed up. The only thing that helps your brain is getting your mind renewed. Don't be conformed to this world. Be transformed by the renewing of your mind. We can't just talk to your brain and fix it. We have to renew it. The only way for it to be able to be renewed is in Him. Is anybody with me this morning? So because we've dealt with everything, the tendency is to come over here and just hang out like Jesus is a good bud. I love the Lord. I just love being His presence. I love His presence. I love His presence. I love His presence. Instead of learning that we abide in His presence. We live there. We never leave there. And so now in the church we have a concept that we're constantly looking for His presence. I heard the presence of the Lord is over there. I heard the presence of the Lord is over there. I heard it's over there. Dude, you're supposed to sit in it. And so if you're going someplace, you're in it. It's with you. And all I'm saying is that we're doing all these works and we're doing all this stuff. Instead of just saying, "Come, wait a minute. All this stuff is finished. Write this down. Let me just finish this. Sitting, look, look at this, follow on. Sitting is an attitude of rest. Something has been finished. Amen? We did our chores yesterday that we said we we're going to do up there. I went home and rested. I laid down. It was awesome. I didn't sit there going, I wonder if they're going to mess up the bark. I wonder if the plants are going to live. I wonder if the fence is going to fall down. I could care less. Amen? I did it. It's done. It's not my responsibility. Are you with me? Something has been finished. Work has stopped and we sit. It's a paradox to us that we only advance in the Christian life as we first of all learn to sit. The church has been famous or infamous for making a work out of everything that Christ completed and finished on our behalf. Put you there. Are you a better Christian because you go in the ministry? Are you a better Christian because you become an elder? Thinking. Amen. We found out that we can control and dominate man to our purpose if we keep him thinking that he must work to be accepted by God. Organized church. I pastor like this. I pastor probably different than most anybody else. Glad you're here. Hope you stay. About it. If I, I don't, you don't belong to me. I pastor by release. I hope you stay. I believe God's given me something to say that can help people. But I can't keep you. If I try to keep you, I lose you. If I pastor by release, I love you enough to let you go. Love you enough to take you back. Da, 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 da. I'm not a coward. I'm, I might make you upset. That's fine. If I never make you upset, I'm probably not doing my job. Amen? But you can't keep 
and control. And so we find, well, if we tell people they have to do this, if we have to tell people we have to do that, there is an untold multitude. There is no end to the religions of our day that teach men to work to be accepted in Christ and by God. There's no end to it. To be more accepted, do this. Listen, if I've come to Christ, I want to serve. Jason Smotherman shared a statement with me when he came over from Harvest Church and they have in there, and I shared it. I serve because I'm saved. I don't serve to be saved or to make my salvation better. And, 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 and in their membership class there and, and uh, new believers class, they, they just have a statement. Everything saved serves. Just by nature. Just if I'm saved, I serve. I'm involved. I care. Because if I'm in him, that's what Jesus did. So if I am in him, my nature is to serve. It flows out of you naturally. It's part of the fruit of being connected. Are you with me? The works that we do in Christ flow out of our abiding in him. And they are in the walk of our calling. Praise the Lord. What would happen? I'm going to close right here, Bill, if you come back. What would happen? Write this down. This isn't in your outline. I put it in mine. Write this down on the back. What would happen if when the report came, whatever it is, getting laid off, get a bad report from the doctor, get a report about a child, get a report about a circumstance. What would happen if the report came first thing we did was take a seat in him to listen. The report comes. Whatever it might be. Whatever the circumstance might be. You get the report. Da, 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 da. Instead of saying, see, before we came to Christ, we had to handle this all by ourselves. We had to figure it out. But now, in him we live and move and have our being. What would happen is as I'm going through life, I'm living to honor God, and, 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 and I have to live in the world. I'm in the world, but I'm not of the world, Paul said. I, I have to live in it. As long as I'm in the world, Paul said it like this. You know, I, I, I want to go be with the Lord, but it's better for you that I stay. I'm caught between two places. So I, I'm here, and, and there's things that I need to do here. I'm, I'm fulfilling my Father's will, but I'm not of here. I, I live. I, I, I come over here. But my heart never leaves here. I go out there, and then the enemy comes, and the only thing he has is discouragement. But if the report came and I just found myself seated, I'm not going to make a decision. I'm not going to make a choice. Till I sit down in him. And I find rest. I'm able to rest. And then the peace of God that goes beyond all understanding begins to abide in me. Sit down. I just wait. He 
then once peace, whatever it is, then once that rest and that peace settles down in me, I can get up. I can go out and walk in that peace. Now I'm not second guessing. I have peace. I know I'm being led by the Spirit. Romans 8 says, As many as are led by the Spirit, these are the sons of God. I sat down and I have heard His leading. This is the right choice. Do I move? Do I change jobs? What do I do? What type of financial decisions make? What type of health decisions do I make? What type of relationship decisions that I make? I come out of that place of rest and now I'm able to walk in peace. Are you with me today? I'm able to walk in peace. And then when the accusation comes and the enemy comes, not only am I able to walk, I'm able to stand. Because I've done everything that I need. See, Paul says, having done all to stand, stand. I did everything, everything I need to do to stand, I did by being seated. Having done all to stand, I, I came to God. God, this is my need. I brought my prayers. I brought my petition. It, Jesus said, if, if you abide in me, you can ask what you will and it shall be done for you. Lord, I brought my request. I brought this. I've asked. And now I'm waiting. I'm listening. I'm hearing. And now I hear your voice. You've given me the direction. David said, Lord, do I go up against him in battle? What do I do? And you wait for the word of the Lord. And then when you come out in battle, you know that you come out with the word of the Lord. You're walking under the authority of God's word. And then when the enemy comes out against you it's already a done deal and so you're able to stand against all the lies and the wiles of the devil bow your head with me what if we could just learn to sit I don't have time to stretch this out if you're here today you've had worry, anxiety, stress pressure, anything Get up from where you are and come find a place to sit on this altar right now. Find a place on these steps and just sit down. Just sit down. Just move. Circumstances, situation, reports. What do I do? What do I do? Oh, what am I going to do? What am I going to do? Oh, how do I do that? I, I, I need to call this person. I need to call that person. I, I need to talk to somebody. What do you think? What do you think? What do you think I should do? I don't know. What? what, 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 what? Sit down. Sit down. Sit down. Sit down. Sit. Therefore, brethren, having boldness to enter the holiest by the blood of Jesus, by a new and a living way, which He consecrated for us through the veil that is His flesh. And having a high priest over the house of God, let us draw near with a true heart in full assurance of faith. Came this morning, you're sitting here right now. Let faith rise up on the inside of you. Full assurance of faith. Just release. Say, Lord, I let go. While you're there, just release that weight. 
Let go of that anxiety. You haven't fixed it by your worry. Jesus said, which of you by worrying can cause yourself to grow in height at all? If you can't make yourself taller, then you have no power over that. You can't change it by worry. But you can enter into an answer by rest. He said it's finished. We read in Hebrews 4 that you can enter His rest. You hear the Word. You mix your faith with it. You enter His rest. And you just sit down. It takes longer than a few moments. Sit. It doesn't always have to be in a chair. It's just sitting down on the inside of my spirit. God, I'm just going to sit down in you and I'm not going to move. I'm not going to make a decision concerning this till I hear your voice, till your peace sits down in my heart. I'm going to rest in you until your peace goes beyond my understanding of how this is going to work. Peace that passes understanding means that you're at rest and you don't even know how it's going to work out. You just know. You just have a knowing from God on the inside. You heard me say when they gave me the report of hepatitis C. The first thing that rose up in my spirit was this. This too shall pass. And the moment I heard that. I didn't care about anything else. I had heard this too shall pass. I didn't worry about anything. I didn't care about anything. This was going to pass. It was done. It was already finished. It didn't matter what I had to walk through. What the, it was done. It was finished. Learning to sit in Christ is coming to that place where you can trust Him. This is a trust issue right now. The temptation is to pull your branch out of the tree and take your faith and act like you're connected, but you're just doing it all on. Apart from me, you can do nothing. Sitting is coming back and planting yourself in Him and resting in Him. Then once you find that peace, you stand up and now you're walking in that assurance. Now when the enemy comes, you're able to stand because you've done all that you can do to stand. Father, I pray for your people today. Jesus, when you walked on the road to Emmaus with the disciples, You were there in glorified form with them and they didn't recognize you. But as you began to speak the word to them, their hearts begin to burn. And Lord, I feel today that people's hearts are stirring and there's a just a rumbling going on on the inside of them. But then all of a sudden you opened their eyes so they could see. Lord, that's my prayer for us today. Open our eyes. And then they said, didn't our hearts burn within us? As he opened the scriptures to us. Lord, let our hearts be open to hear your word, to understand your word. Forgive us of our works. Forgive us for uprooting ourselves, for taking what we call our faith and our belief and running around, but 
really just being disconnected from you. We come back to the place of abiding in you. Teach us how to rest in you. Teach us how to sit. Teach us how to trust you. In Jesus' name. Every one of you up here just listen to me. There's something so powerful. Being able to wait on the Lord. Just being able to wait on the Lord. They that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They mount up with wings of eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They will walk and not faint. They that wait upon the Lord. Resting, waiting. Maybe you didn't come up this morning, but there will come a time. And you're going to have to wait. You wait until you hear. Feel that time. Because see, reports come and take all of our strength. We feel like life is sucked out of us. Then we wait upon the Lord and He renews your strength. He allows you to mount up with wings like eagles. People around you have heard the report. They go, how, how can you be like that? You have a report against you. No, no, I waited on the Lord. And I have peace from God. And, 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 I, and I know I don't understand how it's going to work out. But I have a peace that goes beyond my understanding. And I trust in Him. I know in whom I have believed. And this too shall pass. And what was meant for evil against me, the Lord will turn it around for good. Because I'm well able to possess His promise in my life. Father, I bless your people. I pray your rest, your peace upon them. Renew their strength. In Jesus' name. Everybody said, Amen. Now listen to me. Don't be in a hurry. Stay seated. Just stay seated. Oh my God, what we got? We have to make a decision. You have nothing you have to make a decision on. Unless there's an actual deadline on it. You don't even have to pay your taxes on time. You can file an extension. Amen. You can send in what you think you owe. But then you can. I mean, how many know what I'm saying? There's a way. No, no, nothing is that. No, I have to. I have to. I, anytime you feel you have to and you run. You're about to miss God. And, and a little while down the line, you go, oh, man, I wish I'd have waited a little bit longer. Did this help anybody this morning? Bless you.